Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, it is time once again for another episode of The Hangover. For all of you Pittsburgh Steelers fans out there that are nursing one, not a good one after a loss to the Cincinnati Bengals, three out of the four men on your screen are nursing a hangover that is face down in the mud, feeling crappy, wondering what I did last night. And the one final piece of the puzzle here is a gentleman on the btsc network you can hear him every week on we run the north representing the cincinnati Bengals. it's b dirt brandon harriet what is up brandon oh not much bad thanks for having me on yeah i had a pretty good weekend this weekend uh yeah michigan fan and we pulled one out last second and then the Bengals win pretty uh, good weekend for me don't get me started on Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, your your hangover's pretty Michigan, good. Michigan, baby. Go blue. <laughs> Where's that come from, Tony? It, it, they're getting they're playing Ohio State. Right? Who are you gonna root I, for? I hate, Ohio, I hate Ohio State. I hate Ohio State. Yeah, it's the lesser of two. I hate Ohio State, right, Tony? I, say. I can't stand Ohio yeah, State. Yeah, but well, I like Michigan. White... I actually like Michigan. Shannon, back me up on this. When you throw a hardball into the equation. All bets are off, right? Oh, I can't stand the hard balls. So, you know, you know what they say, uh, 
muck no i went wait wait i can't do that um so anyways so, <laughs> yeah. so i mean gosh and i can understand that harbaugh's rubbed me the wrong way sometimes mm. too he just mm. he has that smugness about mm-hmm. him that's just it's special <laughs> well, we've got a lot of questions for you um, about the game, about the state of the Steelers being from a uh, a Bengal a Bengal standpoint, and uh, we also want to know what it's like being a Bengal fan living in the four one two, unless you're one of those seven two fours. But no, uh, I'm a four one two. I'm uh, I'm about three miles from the stadium. All right, so yeah, so we definitely need to talk about that too. And uh, fans, live chat, give this guy a break. He is. One of the very respectable, he's very respectful as well when it comes to uh, Steelers and Bengals. I I love it. That's one of the reasons he understands. He definitely understands the concept of anybody's allowed in your your living room as long as you don't piss on the couch. So with that being said. And honestly, jealous. I mean, if you look (laughs) at franchises in sports history. I mean, the Steelers are right there with anybody, any sport, anywhere, as far as tradition. And and, and I've been very jealous because I haven't had that. The pain that you're feeling right now is normally me nine out of ten years in a decade. You know what I mean? Well, before we get started, I've got one question. Have you met Crying Bengals fan? I have not. I have not. It's a great <laughs> meme, though. It's a great meme. I have, I've met Pittsburgh Dad. And I've actually spoke to him about about the the the, Ooh. Uh, the crying fan, but yeah, you know, it it took me a long time to embrace the concept of Pittsburgh dad, and now I, I'm I'm completely 100 percent in. I couldn't stand the shtick for years. Now I'm like, this guy's great. So I need to get <clears throat> we need to get him on the show. And if my gosh, if we can get in like 17 seconds, if we could get crying Bengals lady on the show, not just you, B Dirt, or. Uh, uh, we're getting rid of Tony too, just to bring her on. <laughs> all right, no, let's... no, 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 no. First of all, she's married because she's very lovely. So you guys are married. So why do you ask to go? Well, okay. Oh, so you're going to hit on on crying Bengals lady on our show? No, Who, me? No, no Tony. You know, there's, there's some things that are that are more important than football. Well, there's some things that are more important than football. I'm sorry. Uh, okay. If you're bringing uh, more, if you're bringing more Bengals fans on the show, just take me off. <laughs> oh. You've hit the quota, right? Yeah. Yeah. Easy, quota. Yeah. easy yeah. peasy. Uh, Tony is just. Don't worry, Shannon. Tony just wants a date out of the deal. So I mean, that's fine and dandy. Let's let's. Get on to the game. So final score of 38 to 31. Steelers at halftime were up 20 to 17 and did, as Dave Schofield talked about on our show yesterday. You know, he did, they did one thing that one thing that we were worried that the Bengals were going to do the Steelers. At the end of that half, you know, get the ball back, stop them, get the ball back, and score. And that was pretty impressive. And everybody felt good. If you were a Steeler fan going in to the locker room, Shannon, what was your knee jerk reaction then? Well, as you know, because we already talked about it, I talked on our Know Your Enemy podcast on Wednesday night with Frank uh, that the Bengals were the best at making them halftime adjustments, and they routinely shut down offenses in the second half. And I was very concerned, even though they had a three point lead. Because the Bengals are good at making halftime adjustments, and Matt Canada and the Steelers are not. 
So I was I was not very confident going into the second half. I was hopeful, you know, because I'd seen a lot of improvement out of Kenny Pickett in the offense, but I, I was still very concerned, and my fears were proven correct in the second half. Tony, if you were not too busy swiping right and swiping left, um, let me ask you this. What was your opinion of the, of the Steelers going in to the locker room with a lead? I was very impressed with the offense. I think it was the best look all season. Yeah, Pickett, Pickett looked really sharp. Uh, he was making good decisions, and the running game continued to be good. You know, from the previous week, it, that, it continued. I thought that run by Najee Harris that might have been the best run of his career, as far as uh, uh, and, and it was it was well executed by the line. So I thought it was a, it was, I was actually more concerned about the defense going into, into halftime because uh, and something that people aren't aren't don't talk enough about with this defense this year is you know when they scored their first touchdown Pittsburgh uh, the defense immediately allowed the uh, Bengals uh, to march down the field and take a 17 to 10 lead and lose. I was, I was concerned about the uh, defense was still uh, Joe Burrow and company down in, in the second half. And unfortunately I was proven correct, but I also was disappointed that the offense uh, kind of fell apart in the second half too. Okay. Brandon, let's go to a different perspective. Where were you as a Bengal fan watching this game and seeing that, wow, the Steelers have come to play? Yeah, I actually, um, Kevin Tate, who I'm, I'm on the We Run the North with, I texted him at halftime and said, I think that's the, the most complete half I've seen the Steelers play all, all year. Had some good return yards. I thought the defense played fairly well. Um, I mean, look at how we scored touchdowns in that first half. Burrow was almost perfect. Like he had to be almost perfect in order to put points on the board. Um, so I was I was a little nervous. Now, to Shannon's point, I have seen Lou Anarumo has done a fantastic job with halftime changes. So I was hoping they'd figure something out. But I was definitely – I was not in a comfortable position for sure. I thought it was imperative that we stopped you on that first possession. And and definitely did. And the biggest problem now, Steeler fans, of course, are complaining about the offense and complaining about what happened in that game. But and I could you could see if you're watching Tony, he just gave the eyes, and I agree with him. You know, the biggest complaint is you're complaining about Kenny Pickett's play and the play calling, which I'm always going to complain about the play calling, especially when you came out in the second half and got cute. But the defense let this team down all game. And when the Steelers finally score more than 20, the offense scored more than 20 points. They scored 30. And when they do that and the defense gives up 37, you could say, hey, you could point fingers at us all you want on offense. But defense, you've got TJ Watt back. What's going on? So let me start with Tony on this one. You know, where are you putting blame on in this game? You know, I mean, not that we want to play the blame game, but is it was bad scheme, worse execution on defense, um, or is there more? Well, I mean, I as far as the defense, we're on both sides of the ball, placing blame. Yeah, I mean, go ahead. I, I think Place it's okay to both sides. Yeah, it's okay to blame equally. Yeah, I think doing Pittsburgh and. And, and we always like to make excuses for defense, but the defense was not good on Sunday. I don't care what anybody says. It, it had, there were a couple of good moments. They, they had a couple of good, um, 
they gave him uh, the, the offense a couple of good uh, opportunities with takeaways, but, but, you know, the pressure on Burrow is kind of hit him. They got to him seven, I mean, they hit him seven times. They sacked him twice, but it seemed like he was, he, he had, he was in control of the entire game and, and he could do much, he could do pretty much whatever he wanted. And, you know, Joe Mixon left with a, with a concussion green came in and, and they really extended the pass defense uh, with him out of the backfield. So I think the defense, deserves just as much blame. I'm not saying the offense doesn't deserve blame because I think they, there were really some uh, poor decisions in, in, the, in the first half and then the second half, but especially the second half. But I think the defense deserves more blame than people are giving it today. You know what? I'm going to, I'm looking at a message from my good friend, Camp Captain Underpants, a uh, great friend of the show. He's great saying bad, bad. The defense took the ball away twice and they gave them the ball in Bengals territory. And you definitely know that uh, he's serious when he says that, because I um, that's in all caps. So when, and I get that, I definitely okay. get that. Okay. Go ahead, Tony. Oh, oh I, thought, I thought you were going still. No, I just want to say like, okay, that, that's a point. Another point I wanted to make is earlier in the year when they gave up 16 points or 17 points, but they didn't have any takeaways or sacks. People said, well, you did enough to win. They did enough to win. Well, now yesterday they gave up, well, 34 points. I don't really, the 37, the last three, that was on the offense after, uh, you know, a four, uh, they, they stopped them fourth down late in, in the game, deep in, in Pittsburgh territory. But the body of work suggests that the defense didn't do enough to win that game. In fact, the, de- the body of work suggests that the defense did more to lose it than the offense did. That's my opinion. Two takeaways or not, they, they still gave up 37 total points. All right. I am guilty here of stirring some stuff up because here's the thing. Um, look, I there were some great plays on offense and some great plays on defense. One of the most beautiful defensive line plays I've ever seen when you have T.J. Watt going up and taking that ball away. Um, also, I really think a guy like Levi Wallace is starting to come on. It's almost like he's a Keller Witherspoon from last year. In the second half of the season, he's becoming um, worthy of another deal, even though I don't think his deal's up next year. Um, it's not. So, Shannon, let me ask you this. Am I stirring things up when I'm trying to say who was worse, offense or defense? Because in my mind, really, the whole team is guilty. You shouldn't have to stir anything up. The offense is the youngest and the cheapest offense in the NFL, and the defense is the most expensive. And you you tell me, you know, why they don't deserve the lion's share of the money. They're making the lion's share of the money. I mean, I've I've all I've heard about is Ben got blamed for everything when he was here, especially towards the end. You know, oh, he's not mobile. He's arm shot. Blah, blah, blah. He got blamed for everything. And they say, comes with the territory. Well, now the defense is the highest paid in the NFL, and they sure didn't look like it yesterday. They have the same issues I've been, you know, pounding on all year, and that the defensive line outside of Cam Hayward was invisible yesterday. The inside linebackers can't cover their own shadow, and the cornerbacks are slow, very, very slow. They have to get a number one cornerback. That way they could have put him on Higgins yesterday and kept him from just destroying them and Spillane in coverage on Perrin or Perrin, whatever his name is, the backup running back for the Bengals. I was having flashbacks to a New England game with Tom Brady and them back in the day because that's how they were killing them. They had uh, three or four receptions over 20 yards by their running backs off dump-offs. 
That is unacceptable. So you got a young office with a rookie quarterback, and everybody wants to blame him and throw him under the bus, and you got the highest-paid defense in the NFL playing like that? I mean, that's that's no-brainer. Man, you don't have to stir anything up. Only if somebody's ignorant. All right. I think your high-paid guys, though, earned their paychecks. You know what I mean? The high-paid guys made some splash plays, looked good. Hayward looked good. TJ looked good. Uh, Fitzpatrick played okay. It's the rest of the team. There's not as much depth. They need like those other pieces need to be shored up a little. Yeah, well, right. they're either they're paying the high price guys too much, mm-hmm. or they need to keep some of that money and pay for better backups because that you know again their their issues are the same thing it's been for the past couple of years, and they've just had star power that has taken the light, the spotlight off of that. Those weaknesses yeah. is depth and, and you know and the supporting players. And that's bad job by the front office. And that needs to change moving forward. All right. I wanted to go to I wanted to throw something to uh Brandon, but I wanted to throw in uh, one of these uh something that he just brought up with Minka. I I did not think Minka was was good yesterday. I thought Minka was rushed back to the field. And I thought he should have, you know, taken that entire game off because sometimes when you are not a hundred percent and there's no way he was just by watching him in the eye test, I thought that there was no way that he was 100% in that game yesterday. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask, uh, be dirt first. And then I'm going to go around um, with everybody else should have Minka played yesterday, just coming off of an appendectomy, not that long ago. I mean, I get why he would want to play. You know, that was really a pivotal point. You know, a big difference from winning and losing that game in the standings, right? So I get why he was trying to rush back. I I think when you, I when I say I, I don't think he played poorly, but he's got an incredible football IQ, and I think that was putting him in good situations and being close around the ball. But I think a lot of times maybe he gets a hand on some of those balls or maybe he gets to that knocking that play out where he wasn't quite there. He was maybe a step off uh, yesterday. You know, that's a lot of core strength that you got to do when you're twisting and turning and moving. And that's where that surgery is. Could that have affected it? Absolutely. I have had laparoscopic surgery, and I tell you what, it took me a long time to recover, and that's just uh, just going to the computer and going to work. I'm not uh, doing what I have, what he has to do on the field. So I understand that completely. Shannon, yes or no, Minka, should have he been sat out? Not just his decision, but the team's decision. Well, again, you know, you want to respect uh, a proven veteran player. He knows his body better than anybody does. And he's saying, hey, I want to play. I think that, you know, as Brandon said, you could tell early that he wasn't the same Mika, and they did a good job of avoiding him as well. So that limited his effectiveness as a ball hawk. Uh, But, I I mean, I respect him for wanting to play. But, again, you know how I feel about this is a rebuilding season, and I'm thinking long-term, and I'm thinking about his long-term future. And I wouldn't have risked putting him out there to have some kind of maybe eternal injury, you know, getting hit right with a helmet or something right in that area. Uh, I didn't think it was worth it. But everybody still wanted to say, oh, they win this game and they can get on a winning streak and they can be back in playoff contention. And that was a pipe dream. 
And hopefully now we'll hear less of that and more <laughs> focusing on the future development of Pickett, Friar Muth, Pickens. There's a lot to build on there. But one thing that we're, we're missing, too, is Mason Cole's absence in the second half was very impactful for the Steelers. Mason Cole calls out the protections of the line. He's the leader of the line. And Pickett really relies on him, and he has a comfort level. And he's a definite upgrade over Hassenauer, who, who, who's a, you know, he tries really hard. But that was an impactful injury to lose him at halftime. You know what? I will agree with that, Shannon. I don't think anybody on this, uh, with the exception of B-Dirt, would uh, want Mason Cole to go back to Minnesota. Because I tell you what, I, I think he's, I really think he has done his job and done it well. I'm going to add somebody to the mix. I'm going to ask Tony about <clears throat> this next. You know, we know you agree on the Mason Cole, you know, uh, your situation losing him yesterday and he showed up in a boot today. So, uh, you know, that's not good, but do you feel equally as uh missed was Jalen Warren, Tony? Oh, he sure. He could have definitely made a, a big difference in, in the second half. I mean, you know, he, he's got the, uh, he's definitely faster than, than, uh, than Harris, uh, for sure. And, and he has, they, they seem to have found a way to, to, to utilize him out of the backfield. So he definitely, he's definitely a weapon they could have used over the final, uh, two periods of yesterday's game. So I, yeah, I definitely think his, his, uh, hamstring injury, uh, may have hindered that offense in the second half, but I have a question for you guys because, uh, talking about Fitzpatrick, um, playing yesterday, I didn't see a whole lot of Kazee and I was really excited about him after uh, the Saints game. Uh, we heard so much of the the three uh, about the three uh, safety set that they were going to use. But I did, 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 am I crazy? Did they utilize that much on Sunday? Because I think, I think the secondary was certainly exploited by uh, you know guys like T. Higgins uh, on Arthur Millette. He looked like uh, William Gay covering Rob Gronkowski back in 2010. I mean, it was a total smash. <laughs> I'm wondering somebody like Kazee who is really fast and doesn't he play? Doesn't he have a history playing in the slot too? Um, I'm just I, I'm surprised why I didn't see a whole lot of him on uh, on Sunday. You know, Shannon, I'll let you answer that because that's a question for guys like Shannon, Dave, you know, definitely KT Smith, Jeffrey Benedict. Shannon, what are your thoughts on that? They they ran the three safety sets uh, uh, a good amount of time. I was not impressed with the results, but again, the Bengals were prepared for it and they did a good job of avoiding it. Uh, they knew the mismatches that were going to be there. And whoever was covering Higgins was an automatic mismatch. And whoever was coming out and covering the back out of the backfield was a mismatch. And if you look at the numbers, the majority of Burroughs' success came in those two aspects. Um, so, you know, hmm. they sometimes they got uh, Higgins matched up, as you said, on Millet. Uh, shoot, they got him matched up one time on uh, Bush. So, I mean, they figured out ways to – to avoid Kazee and Fitzpatrick. And, you know, Edmonds, of course, is, you know, he's a really good box safety. But, uh, yeah, the weaknesses was basically the inside linebacker coverage and uh, the any corner he was covering, Higgins. Any way you slice it, it was a disappointing day. And what we want to do next after the break, we want to go to uh, Brandon Harriet, our resident from We Run the North. If you haven't had a chance to check out that show, it is absolutely fantastic. It debuts on Saturdays around noon on our podcast network here. Um, of course, uh, 
Kevin Tate, Tate Boys, who's been with us for a good bit over almost two years now. And, uh, you know, bringing in guys from, you know, every aspect and every team in the North. You even have Chicago Bears guy in there, too, every once in a while. So it's it's great stuff. It is one of my favorite really feels like to me like i'm in an afc north bar and i'm just like listening to these guys talk so it's fantastic <laughs> and i tell you what one thing that they do definitely on that show is they respect each other's teams which i really love too so we're going to talk to b dirt when we come back and get his philosophy and his view of the pittsburgh steelers from outside the black and gold so we're going to do that when we come back right after this on the show the hangover on bts Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Ain't the worst looking man you've ever seen. It's funny, every time we play worst-looking man, Tony scowls there. <laughs> no, it says, we're not the worst-looking men you've ever seen. So there you go. Great, great song. That is the Jerry Cherry Band. Oh, we, I'm just reading the live chat. Oh, I've, I have the live chat turned off right now, not because... And if we... Guys, if you do see a super chat, please let me know. Um, I was just looking at some other things here. So I do not want to miss a super chat. If one comes in, please let us know. looks like we have not had any so far. <laughs> Gosh, who knows? Who knows what is going to be happening here um, on the uh, live chat? Great music bads is the forward and our very own, our house band. B dirt. I don't know if you know this, you guys don't have this on. We run the North. I did not know this, but you actually do. Cause we go ahead and throw them in. We uh, we throw it in on your show. I I put the music in, but Jerry Cherry Band and Jerry Cherry is one of our uh, longtime followers here on the live chat, and we'll probably see him coming in a little bit. He does all kind. He has two or three albums on Spotify, on Apple iTunes, all kinds of stuff. Really good band, and when you hear that, that's all. That's all from Jerry Cherry. And I believe he's a one man band if you're, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> so let's go ahead and get into this. Uh, before we get in to B dirt, I got to bring up Mo- monster here. So monster listens to my show. I could tell he does because you see hard times with three exclamation points. When you guys think of hard times, anything in the last 40 years, you think of hard times. What do you think of? 
Go ahead, Tony. I know you got it. Dust the roads, Daddy. The, the American yeah. dream, dust the roads. In fact, my cousin texted me. Yeah, my cousin uh, texted me that that video after the game because my other cousin said hard times. No, I don't think she realized what she was saying. And my other cousin texted that to us. Uh, that. Uh... Well, that might not be the reason why, Tony. And the main reason why is because I did my Dusty Rhodes impression yesterday on, <laughs> doing the uh, Hard Times promo. It's Hard Times, Daddy. 30 years. They kick you in the butt, give you a watch, a gold watch. And say, a computer took your job, daddy. So today, Jeff, who hates my Yinzer, Dave hates my Yinzer accent too, said, man, you should do that instead of your Yinzer accent on bad language. So bad language today is called hard times. I know none of you guys listen to my show, but if you do go back, I think you'll enjoy a very dusty roadish hard times show today. So uh, Monster, actually, he must have been paying attention because it's hot times, daddy. So, uh, <laughs> B-Dirt, I will tell you, we uh, when you hear the end of the show, too, you will know that we love, we absolutely love our uh, WWE, our WCW, um, all of that stuff here on the show. And there's always a reference to it. Tony and I, when we had our blog talk radio show, we thought we were Ric Flair and Arn Anderson for years. <laughs> oh, that's great all right so let's get into it um from your from a black and orange perspective you talked about earlier how for years you know there's been you know a professional jealousy um in envy over the Steelers and uh and now that the Steelers fans are going through hard times it's something that you've seen a lot of being a Bengals fan so not only am I going to ask you what it's like to be a Bengals fan living in the 412 I want to find out basically what is your perception of the team and how do they fix this mess? Um, the perception of the Steelers? Yes. Okay. So being a fan in Pittsburgh of uh, the Bengals is probably not as hard as most people would think it is. I do get some ribbing. I do get some jest and stuff like that, but no one's like, I don't get threatened with violence. I don't get um things thrown at me good because um, it's I, laundry. <laughs> yeah um but uh but i do like i you know it's 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 football and and my outlook on it is is it, you know you can't play football with just one team so everybody there has to be two teams um i appreciate rooting against the other team i appreciate rooting for my team whatever it might be but i don't get too serious about it at the end of the day you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still going to sleep good win, lose or draw. Uh, so I don't get too carried away from that. So that probably helps, um, with my disposition. Uh, I like watching football. I, I, I'm a football fan first. I, I would kind of say, um, I love the Bengals, but I love watching, like, I'm going to watch the game tonight. I love watching all the football games. You know what I mean? So, so, I mean, that gives me an appreciation for whenever there's good play, good things going on. Um, one thing that's really been kind of eye-opening, and I moved here in 2011. Um, at that time, I actually I grew up in Northwest Ohio, and I moved to uh, Ann Arbor, Michigan. I moved here from Ann Arbor, Michigan. So, um, it was very interesting 
the dynamic of listening to sports talk radio was different here than what I was used to. There's so many, like, it seemed like people would pile on, on certain, um, aspects. And, and, and like Shannon was saying, uh, you know, I immediately, I went into work today and everybody, and I'm listening, um, to sports talk, uh, local sports talk on the way in. Everybody's piling on Matt Canada. Everybody's piling on Kenny Pickett. Everybody's piling on, uh, I get to work and, um, one of the guys who actually watches the network all the time um, there, he, you know, he says, oh, man, he goes, our offense just didn't do it. And I go, if I told you going into the game, you were going to score 30 points, would you thought you lost? Mm-hmm. He said, no. So, okay. So I, I get like, thank you. You know, Jermaine Pratt was uh, our linebacker made a comment after the game that, that the Steelers kept running the same plays over and over again. So I get it wasn't perfect, right? I get that there probably are some things that need to change. Um, but a lot like – I'll go reference the Jim Harbaugh thing. Um, a lot like Jim Harbaugh, sometimes I think handcuffs are offensive coordinators uh, to the point that we lose them every year or two because I think he wants to run the ball more and do this and do that. I wonder how much of – is there Tomlin pushing into that? Um, are there those kind of things? I don't know. Um, I don't think, I think Pickens has, I, I think Pickens is going to be an absolute stud in this league. Uh, I think Fryermuth absolute stud. I think you have some really good pieces. Um, I think Pickett's playing good for a first year quarterback. Not great. He's made some bad decisions. I think the speed of the game when you first start in the NFL, but I don't think it's panic mode. I think it's, Drafting well, uh, signing a couple free agents and be right back in the mix next year. I really do. When I look at the Steelers, that's what I see. So Shannon, I, you know, I love what B dirt just said there. So do you feel that it's something you've been saying for weeks and you have held on to this and that's, I mean, I love that, uh, Shannon resolves that, you know, I'm going to hold on to this and he sticks with it every single time. Um, I've been accused of waffling from time to time, but Shannon sticks with this. And he has said that as long as I see some baby steps and some steps up that ladder, then this team's going to be fine. So are you still feeling that this team is going to be fine? Most definitely. I've seen real growth uh, out of Kenny Pickett yesterday. I've seen the offensive line. I mean, doing it against the Saints was one thing, but doing it against the Bengals when they had Reader back and they ran the ball really effectively and consistently until Mason Cole went out. If you notice, their their running game production dropped precipitously in the second half after Cole was out. Now, some of that was some really bad play calling by Matt Canada, Uh, some really questionable play calling. But still, you know, I'm looking for the little incremental improvements. And you've seen that in the first half against a quality defense. And that is encouraging. You know, I, I value Brandon's view point from the aspect that he's seen Kenny Pickett and he also seen Joe Burrow in his rookie year. And Burrow was in a very similar situation. Uh you know, didn't have the offensive line in front of him, you know, was getting beat to death, ended up getting his knee tore up and missing the rest of the season. But Kenny Pickett and Joe Burrow remind me of each other. 
They're a very similar quarterback. Pickett, they're, neither guy is going to be compared to Herbert or Josh Allen or Mahomes, but they are guys who have the moxie, they have the leadership, they have the uh, uh, ability, the mobility, and the arm talent to be successful in the NFL. Burrow is a year ahead of Pickett. Not, he's not older, but he has that year, uh, uh, two years actually of experience. Uh, that and so he's where he is, and he really blossomed last year once he got Chase to go along with Higgins and Boyd. Right now, Deontay Johnson is nowhere near a number one wide receiver. George Pickens will be the number one wide receiver in Pittsburgh. He has the ability. He lacks the maturity. There, there needs to be a time yesterday, you know, the, the dancing and the, the wiping the snot off your nose after you get a first down and signaling for a first down when you really didn't get a first down and, and then dropping the touchdown pass at the end of the game that was a perfect throw that hit him right in the hands. That's very Lima Swede-like. If you, Ooh, from a, that's a from bold a, statement. From a blast from the past. You know, if you, you he just needs maturity. If I'm not mistaken, he's 21 years old. He's still a kid, and he still needs to mature. And, you know, if you're going to draw attention to yourself and you do something right, you have to be mature enough to handle the extra scrutiny that comes when you do something wrong. He turned the drop touchdown pass into a spearing a down player when Boyd had that recovery and was laying just flat on the ground prone. It was over. And instead of just tagging him down, he led with his helmet, and he deserved to be ejected. That was frustration after dropping that pass. And, you know, he was embarrassed and upset. And then he – you can you can have a fire burning in you, but you got to control how you blaze. And I think sometimes that's why he fell to the second round, because sometimes he allows that fire to burn out of control. And you, we've seen a glimpse of that late in the game. So I expect that to improve with more maturity. All right, Tony, I want to ask you a question because this was brought up and it was Jermaine Pratt that uh, B dirt mentioned and Shannon was definitely uh, shaking his head in agreement when an opposing player says something like that. And we've seen this from the Cincinnati Bengals a lot over the years. Um, The uh, one that hurt the most was maybe last year with uh, Tyler Boyd saying, you know, they quit. We made them quit. That's one thing. But when you go ahead and say that we knew everything that was going to happen because it's something they do all the time and it was no surprise to us and it was easy to shut it down. Well, I got to tell you, that's on us as Steeler fans and as Steeler Nation, but on the team. That is on Matt Canada. That's on Mike Tomlin for allowing Matt Canada to do that. Tony, where do you stand with that? Because I'm still looking to remove the offensive coordinator. Not this season. It's not going to happen this season. You don't have to do it this season. But in the offseason, I'm looking at that. I'm sure he's a great guy. I could go ahead and drink a a Dr. Pepper with the guy. I'm sure it would be great. I'd I'd Hmm. be glad to watch Lethal Weapon for the 17,000th time with Matt Canada. That'd be no problem. I'd rub his head for good luck when, when uh, Riggs and Murtaugh are like strung up 
by General McAllister's boys. I, I, I'll do all of that. I would love it, but just not as my offensive coordinator. So, Tony, I got to ask you, when Pratt says those things, how does it make you feel? Well, it makes you feel – well, first of all, it's probably not much of a shock since they're division rivals and they played them in week one. So I, I guess, it, you know, you have a tendency to pick up on on, on your division rivals' tendencies uh, in that regard. But I think it also speaks to the fact that you have a rookie quarterback and and from what I understand, he's not allowed to uh, make audibles. He's not, you know, so when you, when you can't uh, audible out of a play that you're limited. And from what I understand from Charlie Batch, listening to the post game show on Sunday, there, he's not allowed to, there, there are no hot reads. Uh, if a quarterback and a receiver, if they, if they read a blitz, there's, there's no hot read for that. So, you know, you see Pickett out there uh, scrambling around often and it seems like he has nobody to throw to. And, and I wonder if that's part of the problem. They're, they're limiting him way, they're eliminating him way too much and they're, and they're being far too cautious with him as a rookie quarterback. And, and in that circumstance to, to pick up on opponents tendencies. And when somebody like Jermaine says they're running the same plays over and over again, uh, to me, it, it speaks to having a very limited playbook. And I don't know if that's on Canada Tomlin or the fact that they're, that it's on Kenny Pickett for being a rookie quarterback. So, uh, but I don't blame Pickett because I'm sure he would like to have more responsibility. I, I put it on Canada for, for having such a limited book because he's being overly cautious and, 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 and limiting the, his youngster. But you also heard, heard the same thing about Trubisky. They, they, they limited him and they wouldn't let him make audibles. And, and I wonder what's going on with that because it's one thing to do it with a rookie quarterback, but it's quite another to, to do it with a veteran quarterback. And to me, that speaks to Canada's ego. All right, so one thing that happened on the preview yesterday, gentlemen, I'm going to ask all three of you what do you think of this. And everybody, there's there's that certain faction that they're just, they're in the Mason camp. And they're saying Mason Rudolph would have done better this entire time. Well, what do you say to that? Because my what I say to that is, if Mason Rudolph was good enough to be QB1 in Pittsburgh, he'd be QB1 in Pittsburgh. I'm going to start with B-Dirt. What do you think? Uh, well, I, I, I hearken back to Andy Dalton. I was one of the guys that wanted to move on from Andy Dalton because I thought maybe Andy Dalton could play good enough to not lose you games, but I didn't think he'd play good enough to win you games. You knew what you had there, right? You had a game manager. You had Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl. We were going to have to win a Super Bowl the same way if we were going to win it if we had Andy Dalton in my mind, I felt the same way about Mason Rudolph. Could he not lose you some games? Sure. Is he going to win you games? No. You know, so uh, move on. It's time to go to the next thing. Shannon White, I could tell right away. I know you're ready to explode. Um, so I'm going to just phrase this a little bit differently. Isn't this supposed to be when you are three and seven at this point, are you bringing in mason rudolph for anything other than to give up on kenny pickett mason rudolph shouldn't see the field unless kenny pickett and mitchell trubisky are both dead <laughs> wow. whoa um why would you play a guy who's already proven that he is not the future at the position 
Um, when you have Kenny Pickett, who you invested in a first-round draft pick in, and he's showing growth each week and has had two games in a row without an interception. Yesterday, he rolled out late in the game. It was fourth down. When they turned the ball over, as Tony was talking about and give up the field goal, and everybody's like, why didn't he just chuck it deep like a punt? You know, and even if they intercept it, then, you know, it's better than throwing it out of bounds like he did. But he's being programmed. It's in his head. Protect the ball. Protect the ball. Because he, he's getting so much slack from, you know, and grief from everybody talking about, oh, you know, he's had two touchdowns, eight interceptions, two touchdowns, and eight interceptions. He's a bum. You know, people want him to fail because they didn't want the Steelers to pick a quarterback in the first round to begin with. Well, it's past that. Now you have to support him. You have to try to, you know, the the fans, there's a large percentage that are almost like rooting for him to fail. And I do not understand that. Uh, If you watch, go back and watch the film. Half the times, if he does get out of the pocket, he does not have anybody working back to him. They're not trying to get across the field to get in position for him to throw him the ball. Dante Johnson, if he starts out on one side, he stays on that side. And if he ain't getting the ball, he's just like, you know, it drives me bonkers. It really does. You know how I feel about it. Him falling down before he gets touched and all those kind of things. That's why I did not want them to spend that money on him in the offseason and try to build an offense. It's him being (laughs) one of the main focal points. And we already see now that the offense running through Harris, Pickens, and Firemuth is much better than the offense that was running through Harris, uh, Johnson, and Claypool. So let Pickett grow. Give him a chance. But anybody that's talking about Mason Rudolph, uh, I don't. I, I can't even understand that. Unless you're, you're not only giving up on this season, you're giving up on the future. Well, Tony, follow that. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I, I have a higher opinion of uh, of Mason than than, than obviously uh, Shannon does. Uh, but I still think Kenny Pickett's on the future, and and you know, we'll then say. Uh, bring Mason Rudolph and now they're just grasping at straws or they're trying to uh, fix things with a band-aid and basically you just have to keep going through it like I keep saying you have to keep going to the other side and uh, it's not pretty often with a rookie quarterback on a young team and that's what we have right now there's a rookie quarterback on a young team it's an unproven team and there's a lot of there's a lot of questions that still need to be answered so no you don't bring Mason Rudolph in no you got to stick with Kenny Pickett you don't be you don't bring Mitch Trubisky in uh you don't do anything to try to get closer to 500 unless it happens organically with Kenny Pickett. That's it. That's, that's where they're at right now. It's, it's not pretty, uh, but it, it, he, he is showing flashes. And I thought yesterday, Sunday was maybe his best game the first half. And then the second half, uh, the Bengals made the adjustments on defense. As Shannon said, they're, they're the best at that. And they've shut a lot of other teams down in the second half this year, besides the rookie quarterback, Kenny Pickett. Uh, he didn't adjust to it. Again, maybe that's not on him. Maybe that's on the coaches for not putting him in, in, in a better position to, uh, to 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 be productive in the second half of Sunday's game. But can I can I ask Brandon one question uh, before before? Uh, yeah, go ahead. Well, let me go ahead and ask. Sorry, you this I'm question. sorry, I'm done. It's a follow up. It's about the patience with Pickett, and we've seen for almost okay. fifty years. Well, where patience is a virtue. But here's a question for you: Who's the better rookie quarterback? Kenny Pickett. Or Terry Bradshaw. Oh, well, I mean, 
uh, Kenny Pickett, of course. So uh, Terry Bradshaw, I mean, he was so bad uh, early on. I mean, he was so bad that he he still hasn't gotten over the treatment that he got from the fans and his coaches because of how bad he was. So, you know, so Dwight White once said we'd come off, uh, we would we'd come, and and the offensive reel would be this, but the defense would be this day because we'd we'd would would force a punt, and then the uh, you know two, one play later we, we were back on the field. So yeah, Terry Bradshaw was pretty bad, but things got okay for him. I'd, I'd say. Yeah. We know how that whole thing worked out, and we're happy about that. And thank goodness that Terry Bradshaw did not have internet and social media to have to deal with. That's all right. I've got oh, to say. Gosh. To yes, that. Oh my gosh. All, right. all right, Tonester, you've got a question for B Dirt. B Dirt, Brandon, uh, you're a longtime uh, Bengals fan, and you know that their history, especially since 1991, when they when they uh, the last time they went to play, that's the year I graduated from high school. That's how old I am. Uh, so they had a long suffer. You know, they, they suffered for decades. You suffered as a fan with them. What do you think was the the turning point for them going from where they were in 2020 uh, to making the Super Bowl last year? Because I'm I'm sure Steelers fans would like to know from a Bengals fan what what happened with their young quarterback and their young team. What 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 what, what put them over the top and finally get to where they are now? So I'm going to give you a two-part answer to that. One was a more of a, a philosophy change, I would say, from the top down. Uh, for the first time, uh, there was an investor that came in with the Brown family because uh, Mike Brown always ran it by himself. Now we have the Bradshaw family that's invested, and it gave us deeper pocketbooks. It gave us a... a, a a new way of thinking. I think that's why you saw last year us go out and get offensive linemen and free agency and have some of those deeper pocketbooks. They gave away, they sold the naming rights. I know that's kind of a touchy subject in, in this city, but they sold the naming rights to the stadium for the first time instead of Paul Brown stadium. Um, so that we had those, because you have that money in escrow when you're going to back up the Brinks truck for Joe Burrow. So I, I think there's some, some of that stuff. Um, honestly, um, they did a really good job, um, getting a woozy, uh, getting some, some veterans on free agency on the defensive side that I thought shored up the defensive side. And then I was one of those guys banging the drum for us, uh, to take the, the, the tackle that went to the lions and not take. Uh, Jamar Chase and I was so wrong. <laughs> um, so been there. <laughs> I think that's the piece that makes us pretty electric. Um, you know, I, I, that that to me was the lightning in the bottle. Because if you look at those, he he single handedly, in my mind, uh, was the offensive weapon that beat the Chiefs, um, that gave the Titans fits it changed it changed everything in those playoffs and, and and listen do i think we were the best team in the afc last year mm -mm. nope we were healthy and we were hot at the end of the season mm -hmm. and that's got a lot to do with it and uh you know i, I think i look at the afc right now i see five six teams again that if they're healthy and hot at the end of the year there's five or six teams i think could make a run at it Sounds great. Brandon, we're going to get on out of here. And I do have a question for you. Um, this is this is an interesting one because, you know, 
right now I feel that the Bengals are in a better position. They, uh, if they do get Jamar Chase back, then they're definitely going to make a run as well. And they have a chance to get hot at the end of this whole thing. So that would be uh, something that Bengal fans would be excited about. But let's go into the uh, fantasy world here. And I'm not talking about fantasy football. If you had a chance to take any Pittsburgh Steeler on offense, oh. I was going to say any Pittsburgh Steeler. Yeah, because you but knew I was. You're going to say TJ Watt. Yeah, 100%. We're not doing that. You're hey, able to take I, I think TJ Watt <laughs> after that pick, I think he's got better hands than, than uh, Johnson does. <laughs> Johnson. That was definitely. Definitely. <laughs> Me at 87 might have better hands than Deontay Johnson right now, but I don't think I'm going to get 87 with this team. Uh, so. Let's go ahead and uh, go ahead. Take an offensive player. And who would you replace? That's the question. You have to replace a starter. So I got to replace a starter in Cincinnati. With a Uh, Pittsburgh Steeler. I would take Friar Muth. I would take Friar Muth and take take Hayden Hurst out. I I tell you what, I, uh, I talked to... I talked to a gentleman from uh, the unofficial Bengals podcast over the summer. That's how I got a chance to meet him. And he was on, Frank was on Know Your Enemy just a few days ago. And I said, hey, this was in the offseason. A lot of people laughed at me. And he was the only one that backed me up when I said, Pat Fryermuth is going to be a top five talent in this league. Do you uh, feel that way? uh, Yeah, he's on my dynasty fantasy football team. So, yeah, (laughs) without a doubt. 12 targets yesterday. I would have liked to have seen him have uh, have three more. Uh, um, not have those three drops. But, you know, a great day once again for uh, Pat Fryermuth uh, leading the team in yards and receptions right now, which is not what you're looking for out of your tight end, especially God, with, with some of the talent you have. But with that being said, thank you so much, B-Dirt. We can catch you every Saturday with the fellas. With the NFLAFC North, we run the North podcast. It's a great show. Uh, Don't be a stranger to our show here, buddy. Hey, thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. All right. Thank you. So this is it. Make sure you go head back and check out the postgame show from last night. It was pretty good. It's a good show if I say so myself. Bad language this morning, which Tony and Shannon, I am going to have a test for you. I'm going to, you have to listen to it. Um, as the podcast producer, I'm making you listen to my show just to get those two extra downloads. And we're going to have a little quiz to make sure that you listen to it. But with that being said, check out all of our shows coming up later on. You're going to have, well, in the morning, you're going to have a new episode of the cutting room floor with Jeffrey Benedict, fellow Michigan fan, I believe. Then you're going to get a Michigan and Ohio state combo with the Steelers fix at noon and then you're going to get the Scobros tomorrow night. So make sure you check out all those great sh- great shows. People are uh, making fun of Dwight Stone. He's my buddy. Dwight Stone's <laughs> my buddy. I have him actually programmed in on my phone. We got to get him on here. Let's let's not rip on Dwight Stone when you have Deontay Johnson, wow. but you're actually saying Deontay Johnson's better. Not not as good. So that's great. <laughs> Tony, last go ahead. Tony, I thought you were going to say uh, something. I didn't, I didn't say anything. No. Okay. Um, oh, yeah, what's up? No, no, no. Sorry. <laughs> I was just listening. 
1963 says, Tony, make sure you check out his band at the Pittsburgh Cigar Alliance, the Smoking Blues, Wednesday night. Hey, you don't probably don't have to work the next day, so go ahead and check out Nap. Um, B-Dirt, you want to see you're a good band. Check them out. Um, Nap1963, one of our great listeners here as well. So I'm going to give them a plug, as I always will. So with that being said, Steelers fall to 3-7. and seven. But there's still plenty of season left and plenty of reasons to check everything out here. So for B-Dirt, for Tone Deaf, for Shannon White, my name is Brian Anthony Davis. You could call me bad. And just when you think you got all the answers. Keep changing the question. Shannon, take us home. Woo! A computer stole your job, daddy. That's hot time.